Today, I get to grill two key players from the culinary powerhouse group, Otelegi, ahead of the launch of their cookery book, Falastin. We good so far? <laughs> With me is exec chef and co-founder of Otelengi, Sami Tamimi, whose breadth of experience spans over 30 years, starting out in his hometown of Jerusalem before landing in London via Tel Aviv. Sami is also co-creator of the enormously successful Otelengi in Jerusalem cookery books. Today we're in his kitchen. I couldn't be more excited to talk food, delve into his journey, and hopefully get a taster of something exciting from the man himself. Tell me that's <laughs> going to happen. I hope so, I hope so. <laughs> Welcome to my kitchen anyway. Thank you. Uh, my other guest bears equal weight and impressiveness, Tara Wigley, who too is an intricate part of the Otelengi phenomenon. With a past in publishing and a stint training in cookery, Tara started out recipe testing alongside Yotam before co-authoring numerous Otelengi titles, most notably Simple and now Palestine alongside Sami. And she's the queen of shutdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm told is the gateway drug <laughs> into Palestinian cooking. <laughs> So we have to start somewhere near the beginning. Sami, where did this journey begin for you? It started uh, at home when I, I, I was probably five, five years old, uh, sneaking into the kitchen and shushed out and kind of this curiosity of what's, what's going on there and what's cooking. Because boys were not meant to be in the kitchen. I was going to say, is that a sex, Yeah, is no, that like it's a not. Thing? It's a big no-no. I mean, uh, boys go to, to play with their friends in the street and um, it's just a kind of women's world. Okay. And I, I guess this is where it, it all started. And did you, when you were kind of trying to get into the kitchen, was it because you wanted to get involved in the process or was it you wanted to steal the I I'm, I'm, I can't remember if I, was, I wanted to be part of the process. It's just, it was just a kind of mysterious um, because the, I, I was kept kind of shushed out. Oh, then you, it, oh, it's it that child it thing. You yeah. want all the gossip, yeah. all the chat. Yeah, what are they like, talking well, what's about? Funny? Why yeah. do they keep shushing me out? I mean, they talked about lots of things like uh, men and um, sex, <laughs> sex and... Who were these people? These are family members. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're of a decent, respectable age. Yes, yeah, <laughs> But it's quite an amazing thing that this little boy who was shushed out the kitchen is now the Palestinian cook who's doing more to kind of make people excited about the food of Palestine. Yeah. So, but it's it's a real moment to think about this little boy who wasn't meant to be in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. And then the journey continued. I mean, when I was 16, a uh, summer school holiday, I, I went to work in a hotel in West Jerusalem and I was a pot washer. <laughs> and, no dishes, just pots we decided. And um, it kind of, uh, it, uh, I was kind of exposed to this kind of new world that I've, I've never kind of, knew it existed and it was so different from back home with my mum and aunties kind of cooking around in this little kitchen. So had you managed to at this stage prior to being 16 had you managed to get your hands on any was, knives in the kitchen or? I, no it took me probably another few months later. I love that like yeah. no nope. <laughs> no they're out. Yeah because you know they, um, especially in hotels they you have to go through kind of stages yeah and I was a, a fast learner so you know I think six months later, I was cooking scrambled eggs for 200 people in the morning, waking up at like three o'clock in the morning to That's be able to do that. How uh, long did your eggs take if you're up at three? And well, once you've cracked the 200. <laughs> well, I, I was a teenager, so I slept for the rest of the day. So <laughs> that is just, just to reassure the listener, there is not yeah. a recipe in the book for scrambled eggs for 200. <laughs> we have some more refined shakshukas. Hassan's easy soft-boiled eggs sprinkled yeah. with zatar, but no, uh, no, no scrambled egg for 200. Exactly. Which I mean. is a shame because <laughs> that people always need that recipe. <laughs> well, we serve, we serve it in our restaurant, but um, yeah. um, it's an artful to do scrambled eggs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we was like saying before, like, I like to really envisage like the hugest bats that you're kind of making, like whisking up these I know, scrambled eggs. I know, like, I was, I was so little and skinny and it was just kind of a a task to yeah. do it but uh, I managed to pull it off yeah and I've actually done risotto for 75 across three massive bats and when you the, it right. was in the commercial kitchen so it's like the biggest spatula like wooden spatulas or it, it was like yeah. I have never been so like the next day I'd had it felt like a gym workout <laughs> so I can only imagine yeah. cooking yeah. for 200 I did the wedding I did the risotto for a wedding it was like 150 people 
Well, I had to do it in three pots. Yeah. It was like juggling that it's the an, whole evening. That's, it's yeah. a crazy, it's yeah, no it's, mean feat that. <laughs> I take that as one of my biggest achievements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and growing up, where do you think that passion came from? Like, is it your personality? What, like, was uh, there... I don't know if it's to, it's to do with the personality or not. It's uh, I grew up in a uh, very kind of foodie house where they they talked and eat all day long, and this is something that kind of gets rooted in you. But also, when I left after Tel Aviv, I was already a chef when I came to London. My childhood and my kind of the dishes that I grew up eating kind of kept me connected to the to the country and my family and and the past. Um, and I guess I was good at cooking, so yeah. I got somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that very modestly. I don't think you need to be modest about this at all. And for you, Tara, I know it's a little different. Um, tell us about that career change and the call from your town that took your life in a whole new direction. So I was in publishing for a decade, and then I had twins and then wanted to retrain and slightly thought I could... How old were these twins? Because that is a <laughs> that seems like a very um, if you job. don't know Tara she is like fast <laughs> if you want something done uh, ask a mum of twins yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. multitasking probably is all... a week later a week later probably. so I wanted I wanted I wanted to retrain and and uh if I was I was due to do a teacher training course um and then I was doing a big lunch with a buddy of mine doing a sort of catering thing and she said to me god can you imagine doing this every day cooking and suddenly I went, tick, 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 tick. Oh, my God, I completely can. And so I ditched the teacher training plan, which is great, because I would have been a truly awful teacher. Um, and then went off to cookery school with my little 18-month-old twins, thinking that everyone was going to rock up with dogs and children. And, of course, there was just a bunch of kind of 18-year-old footloose and fancy frees and then sort of divorced men who'd never cooked and then sort of people in the middle who were, who were, um, who were sort of neither 18 nor 60. Um, and then did Ballymaloo for three months. Which How full on is that, though? It was, it's, it's incredible. I have the absolute, like, everyone has the time of their life. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you give it your absolute all. It's a completely, not cultish, but it's a completely hermetically sealed world. I yeah. used to have to go to Tesco's once a week just to get a reality check to be like, this is, <laughs> this is not actually my life. I, you know, the, sort of the world of Ballymaloo and ba Allen. Ballymaloo is a, it's almost like a bubble. It is a bubble. You know, you get in and it's like, this uh, it's almost like a fairy tale thing where you know they they, they cook and, and grow things and they have chickens and and you, go and to you the get sea to get your seawater to kick your pasta exactly, in because yeah. that's the right amount and of salty get, you you get sucked into it. that yeah. yeah but then you have to remind yourself that you actually this, this is not real this, this is not the real but Darina Allen makes people believe that they that they can just get in contact with their heroes and Yossam was absolutely my desert island chef so I think I did email him but but um. Mm. But when I, when I actually got a call from him, um, I thought it was my husband pretending to be Yotam, and he was describing this kind of dream job, and I completely thought it was Chris. <laughs> and I, I put the phone down, and I phoned Chris, and I said, did you just phone me? He's like, no. I was like, what? <laughs> and it was just complete chance that Yotam was looking for someone who wasn't a professional chef, right? Um, because I was actually a bit of a disaster in a professional kitchen because it's a completely different skill. Yeah. But he wanted someone who was a home cook and a food lover, um, but also had uh, a facility with words. So it was just really lucky that he was looking for someone who had um, a background in both of these things. So rather than falling between two stalls, yeah. I was managed to sort of fuse the two. So, yeah, that... It's got to be a good moment. Uh, it was a good <laughs> I'm moment. I'm just processing it. Uh, it was a good like, moment. Yeah, that was Thursday, and I turned up on Monday <laughs> at his house in uh, in West London. Yeah. And he, that's he, just the coffee machine, he, I should say. Can we stop? Or it will stop now. Yeah. That's it. And then you start. it was in Notting Hill, where he lived. Oh, yeah, he was in Notting yeah. Hill, yeah. And it, Tara started, and after a while... Yota wanted her to kind of see what we do at Otolenghi, so he suggested that she comes to work with me in Notting Hill in the kitchen. And I remember the first day, kind of, who is this woman? She's like, Be nice, you know, I, I, <laughs> Be kind. I have all, the, all these Brazilian... And <laughs> I really like the coffee machine has really come alive. <laughs> 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 Maybe just in the nick of time. I don't know what you're going to say here. No, nothing. 
as I said, I wasn't a natural. In a, I was not a natural in a professional she kitchen. Was, uh, she was. She was. She actually was not sure about what she's doing. I remember her being super slow. In a, Did that like, make you furious? It's, it's a, no. It's a quite <laughs> small kitchen, and you don't have time for that. And also. I remember giving her a piece of uh, preserved lemon to try, and she thought it tasted like soap. And so I was on the phone with, with the other one, get out of here. <laughs> but little, little did I know that 10 years on, I'd be having preserved lemon for, for breakfast. For breakfast, <laughs> at the beginning of my female. Anyway, I'm sure we can talk about something There's other than There's a joke my, uh, with your husband. Failed, failed her husband has been, they, they always run out of preserved lemon at Waitrose or Cado because... <laughs> because <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping them in <laughs> Yeah. Within the Ottolenghi Empire, where was there like a turning point where all of a sudden you kind of knew like people were really taking notice and something was catching on? Like, was there that kind of moment or did it feel like a very gradual process? I, I guess uh, the, the beginning at Ottolenghi, we not because we were working so hard and, you know, kind of every day in and out. And uh, yeah, it was me, Yotam, and a bunch of friends and... It took a few years for us um, until um, it was quite interesting around where when we released uh, Otolenghi, the cookbook, where we had no clue. It's just like, you know, we, we just didn't know what we wanted. The whole process was just kind of uh, turning big platters of uh, food into a recipe for... It's like the first child. You make all your... You have for no four, <laughs> but actually it feeds eight to ten people. Yeah. And... Uh, just keeping things quite, um, yeah. like, vague. And uh, it, only after Plenty came out, we kind of realized how, how well-known we are. Because before that, it was just kind of... It's a London establishment. Some people in Europe know, knew about us. Uh, we were quite known in the Jewish community as well, yeah. for some reason. <laughs> and uh, they liked the whole idea of, you know, being one, one, one Israeli, one Palestinian in West London producing really wonderful food. So, yeah, it kind of, after, just before uh, Jerusalem came out, we kind of, when we went touring in the U.S. with Jerusalem, it kind of dawned how well-known we are. I was kind of taking ste steps yeah. back. There's definitely been like this, like people have really stopped and paid attention and like transformed the way they cook, the, the way they feed their families. Like this is... Well, it's become a, yeah, and for the song to actually sort of become a verb, you know, like, yeah. to, you know, to Ottolenghi. Yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, I guess for both of you with so many achievements, like under your belts, I'm curious to know what you'd consider to be your best or what, what feels like the biggest achievement to date for both of you. Tara? Uh, I think for both of us, Palestine is a massive thing for different reasons. For me, the thought of being at Ballymaloo, where Ottolenghi was my desert island hero, for me now to see my name on the spine with Sami and the word Palestine and, and forward by Yossam, is, that's, that's a massive, massive thing. So I think for both of us, uh, at the Jeez. moment, we're just kind of sitting with our little happy child at the moment. Yeah. Feeling like proud parents. Yes. And yeah. I've got a heap of questions about the book because we have to really go into this. <laughs> so for you, it's Falafin. And for you... Yeah, I mean, I, I achieved quite a lot. I mean, uh, coming from uh, Jerusalem to here all the way. I, I mean, I've been lucky. I, you know, I was a big part of Fotelengi and it was a wonderful journey. Uh, three cookbooks with your two with Yotam and one with now with with Tara. It's uh, it's a quite an achievement. It's huge. Yeah. What does your family think about it back uh, home? They were they were they kind of uh, really really proud and uh, um, I was always the kind of odd one where I I wasn't settled for you know what I, what I was supposed to do. Right. And uh, you go back to Sammy's family where yeah. there's. Sort of 45 siblings, all whose name begins with A. <laughs> one of 12, am I Sammy, right? Sammy's the only one who flew the nest. So it's a massive deal. And so they're to, all still there. They're all still there yeah. on yeah. the sofas. Making, and they're all busy doing entrepreneur and they're all doing stuff. But but Sammy's, Sammy's journey, you know. Is, so, and then when he goes back, his sisters are getting super teary. And, and it's, yeah, they're, they're, their pride is, is yeah. palpable. In, in a way, they are connected to each other and depends on each other, all those so quite a lot of politics between them and but I was the only one who kind of pulled out and didn't ask for help and I was kind of disconnected for a while but then went back to it that's got to feel good yeah it's, like a, it's a wonderful her. thing to have 
And along the way, what would you say have been the most valuable lessons for both of you? And is there anything you'd change? <laughs> you know, we can scrap that if there's not. <laughs> I think working on Palestine and going to, the, to, to Palestine and the Middle East, it's a big, um, big lesson for, for both of us, I think. Yeah, Sami and I, we've got some very different uh, energy levels often, and I'm sort of running at 100 miles an hour, and Sami's a lot more chilled. And these two different energies, we've really kind of learned from each other, and I've had real moments where I've been forced to stop and watch Sami having his sort of Madeleine moment or being able to sit on a four-hour car journey without listening to 12 podcasts and sort of doing whatever <laughs> I'm I'm doing and 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 uh it's been a real moment of kind of of uh forcing me to to, to sort of stop and observe observe that that's no that sounds amazing because I think actually what it sounds like you sound like quite a peaceful kind of mindful I, I mean, person I am, and just... I am a, a more emotional and kind of um Tara um, is faster than me and I'm a kind of Sammy's head always is clearer. behind and uh, I wake up in the morning and I sit with my coffee and Tara's been already for three runs in the morning and, <laughs> yeah. and had two breakfasts and she will come to have the third one with me. <laughs> it's just kind of... Uh, you are too slight. This just cannot be possible. And uh, we kind of function in a very different way but at the same time... Um, we, it, it works. It works. I mean, yeah. the, the words. Yeah, I always mean, in pursuit of the, of the best book. But again, yeah. things like scheduling in Palestine, I would turn up with my sort of spreadsheet and deadlines and <laughs> Sammy's like, dude, 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 no, <laughs> enough. Yeah. We have our 12th coffee and then maybe I we like get somewhere. That. I'm so, more like uh, you, but I'm, this so sounds yeah. great. <laughs> but in relationships, any relationship you need, you, you can't but both you, be at yeah. that same In the Middle East, you can't level. walk around with the list because it, it doesn't work this way. It, it just doesn't work. No. You know, you call people, they don't answer you back. You email people, they never you know, kind of reply. It's just, it's a different... So in terms of, of learning something, I guess I would learn that sort of trusting, trusting and trusting in the process that it's all going to somehow kind of work out and that, and that you can't control everything. You can't control whether it's the recipes or the narrative or yeah. the schedule, but trusting that it's going to be okay. Yeah. But at the end, you know, we kind of comp completing each other or kind of complementing each other because uh, <laughs> because you need you need both sides. You need this kind of slow, dreamy, uh, foodie, cooking, and then where yeah, Dara comes in. It's like, okay, <laughs> where do we start and where do we end? But again, that's also okay. happening in Palestine a lot. There's a lot of, we met a lot of, men and women, husband and wives together, where the man is the dreamer, often the smoker, often the one who's quite sedentary. And there's so many women of <laughs> Palestine who are just warriors and they are just doing things. Is and that something in our genes? Like, <laughs> I, I'm seeing a lot of like similarities. My husband's very yeah. relaxed. Yeah. yeah. And just incredible women. We met incredible men too. But, um, but... Yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of women who are supported by their husbands, in a from a sedentary smoking <laughs> from a calm point. <laughs> I mean, so to, yeah. To sum it up, we, we we went on to kind of diff two different journeys to Palestine, but we produced this wonderful kind of little baby. Yeah, <laughs> big baby. <laughs> it's a well, big baby. Yes. Um, so, Palestine. Let's let's properly delve into the book now. Um, what can we expect? What Anyone that's kind of thinking, okay, I might need a new addition to the cookery book collection. What does Palestine bring? I mean, the, the Jerusalem was a kind of taste of um, what Palestine is. Uh, it was Palestine is a sister of uh, Jerusalem, and uh, what you didn't get is more of you know the, the kind of the the people okay. where we I kind of me and Tara wanted to kind of uh, put in this book. Like tell more of a story. Uh, a story, also uh, to um, s show how how positive you know Palestinians are and how welcoming and generous and yeah. So it's for people. I mean, if if I was recommending people, I would say they should probably get two copies of this book. One for the kitchen <laughs> to cook. The we've got over 110 recipes. Uh, for everyone who wants meat or fish or their vegetables or their yeah. soups, all seasons, all salads. Um, but then as Sammy says, there's also 
a lot of space given over to stories of the people and places of Palestine today, yeah. um, which is a real window in for people who want to learn more. Um, and then it was also Sammy and my adventure and, and love letter home. But but uh, it's for anyone who's hungry. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely colorful, delicious uh, recipes. And it's a kind of a window to uh, a world that kind of you hear bad reviews and bad in right. news and all that. But actually... Yeah, we, we're hoping we, with this book, because exactly. we say the word Gaza and, and everyone has a image of their mind, but we want people to open this book and then for them to think of Gaza and to think of the trilogy of green chili and dill and garlic that makes up so many of the dishes there. And when we say West Bank in this book, we want people to think of the fermented yogurt and the meat and the bread yeah. rather than these images that everyone has in their mind. So it's almost sort of the opposite of what people think when they think of Palestine, because if they read this book beginning to end, they see a thriving culture of people doing cool things with food and eating and, and normal things as well yeah. i mean they they kind of maintain a normal life with all the trouble that kind of in the area but yeah they they still cook and eat and enjoy the wheeling the dealing and, yeah, wheeling making. And, dealing and <laughs> making shish barak and and how long did you guys spend out there or we how many there, trips we or? were there together three or four times yeah um for kind of a couple of weeks at a time and then and then Sammy obviously goes very regularly. I've been a couple of times separately. Um, I did the Palestine Marathon. I, I lured my husband into a trip that he thought was a culinary trip. And in fact, I, uh, I sprung <laughs> the Palestine marathon on, marathon on him. In fact, I was only meant to do half marathon, but I got a bit... I ate a bit too many flaffles the day before, so I decided to do it, do it twice. And actually, it was, it was a massively good way of doubling my sponsorship. I was back in Nativity Square... And I had all my WhatsApp followers from the marathon. And I said, oh, if I do it again, will you double your sponsorship? Slightly thinking no one would. And Noam, who's one of the partners at Osselengi, straight away came back. I was like, done. I was like, shit. <laughs> now I've got to do it. She and was lucky. He's never on Instagram. <laughs> and, uh, and as I was setting off, I saw Chris coming back. And he's like, what are you doing? And I went, I'm going again. <laughs> that is a serious <laughs> level of but fitness. a really clever way to make more money. Yeah. Amazing. Fundraising money. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. Um, I don't know anybody so else that would want to do that. People that get to the end of the half. And also, no, in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is very hilly very and very hilly. dusty. Yeah, Jesus and didn't it say was, that in the Bible, did he? Uh, and, <laughs> and it was also warm. So How warm? Yeah. It was super warm. It, it was like 25 degrees. Oh, yeah. It was starting to get kind of. Yeah, kind they of start early. Hot, yeah. And how many people um, run this marathon? There's a lot, people, a lot of people. Uh, and did and anyone Because running again? is not at all part of the. Palestinian culture on on the streets, but, but there are quite a lot of Palestinian kids, especially completely yeah. all families yeah. out, and you know no one's in a rush. You can you yeah. run it without sprinting, so or you there's... can stop and have a kebab and then, <laughs> and then just crack on for your man too. <laughs> but were there other people running a hot, like a whole marathon, or was well, it all half marathons? Uh, just... by the time I did it, because <laughs> I'm trying because, to see, like because I if I if I was officially meant to have done the marathon, I would have started at a different time. So actually, by the time I was on my second circuit. They were slightly opening the streets again and the cars were kind of going and it was all... And it was, there was this kind of you mean you this were, awful situation slow. where these, all these little Palestinian kids were running with me <laughs> because I was then by myself at this point. And I had this like horrible moment of being like, dudes, I'm running for you, raising money, but go away! <laughs> and it was like this most incongruous moment. Um, and we had like the people cheering on the first kind of the time round. Yeah, yeah, second time, it's just like you're just navigating cars and... It was That's great. amazing. We just, we just lost her somewhere, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But no, we travel around, and it's not a massive. It's not a massive not, no. land. So you go there yeah. three or four times, like Sammy and I have, and you get to know the places very well. And the distances are not great between yeah. each city. And will you continue to make trips back there? Does, do you feel like you've got oh, a connection to I the? That's such a nice excuse for the last few years. I first went twenty years ago to visit a buddy who was studying there. Um, so I'll just have to gate crash some more of Sammy's trips. What about these friends that you've you've been exchanging emails? They know your uh, buddy from school. Uh, you know them. They're not in Palestine. No, okay. <laughs> well, she's um, she's gonna have to come. With I'll me come on gate crash. Yeah, I I I had a fun trip once, uh, trailing around after Sammy and his partner Jeremy, and that was a great fun trip. So maybe I need to get on a few more of their road trips. Yeah. Maybe Sammy in the front and me and Jeremy being the naughty kids in the back. <laughs> 
Raya will be happy to come on. Our terrifying driver who had <laughs> these uh, two very cool tattoos, one of a massive pomegranate cut open on one leg and the other wow. one was an aubergine on the other <laughs> leg. It was like, the, oh, you couldn't make up the cliche. I want there to like, be a picture of that talent. in the book. Yeah. I'm not I'll show you. And she used to take these speed bumps like she's fucking bat out of hell. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd hook up with her again. She's a very <laughs> cool yeah. but, She was cool. But, you know, she, you, we forgot how... How younger she is. Yeah. How old is but she? Some, I mean, she, yeah, she was, she was kind of mid-twenties. And, and like she, yeah, and sometimes, and then I would be with Jenny, who's not Palestinian, who was our amazing photographer. And there was the four of us in the car. And then sometimes there would be these real moments where Sammy and Rhea would show their Palestinian DNA in a way that Jenny and I just couldn't keep up. For example, eating <laughs> kanafe, this super sweet sugar syrup drenched phyllo cheese a sort of diabetes on a plate dish, <laughs> which Jenny and I could sort of barely have three tablespoons of. And then uh, Sammy had 250 grams. <laughs> and then what was the double was called something else, 500 grams. And just watching Raya sit there and eat it as though she was kind of working through a piece of toast. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> that been, level of sugar. But, but suddenly you realise, actually, we might all be a team, but two people here are Palestinian and two people are observant. They're having 12 coffees in the morning. <laughs> exactly. It's straight into the sugar. And we stopped for a falafel as well on the way in. Remember? Yeah. This sounds like a trip I want to be on. Yeah, yeah no, you would do. <laughs> yeah. If you I go think, the I think the everybody place to go for flaffle is in, uh, in Nativity Square in Bethlehem is the best place for flaffle. No, but you remember in Nablus when we, uh, before the Kanafe, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Raya is like, this looks like a nice falafel. So she stopped and the guy makes it freshly, doesn't yeah. kind of prepare them in advance. And she just stood there and, and I was like having bites from it and these two, her and Jerry kind of. <laughs> Sammy there with bags of bread and you look like a complete drug dealer because he had about two kilos worth of zatta this kind of like big like weed looking stuff and it's like his booty zatta is better than drugs <laughs> <laughs> just for anyone that was unsure <laughs> kids although do you remember that picture I took of you lying on that on that sort of field oh, yeah. of on this bed of zatta on someone's roof looking like a complete kind of is drug is that in the king. book I don't remember seeing that <laughs> no, this is the outtake I will show you later <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a very rare moment. It's just kind of people, you know, you have to kind of enjoy it. And I did look like a kind of just drug baron. Yeah. <laughs> it just gets worse. <laughs> what really happened on this trip? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of cooking and eating. Yeah. Um, are there any particular recipes that stand out for you or feel particularly personal for you that had to be included? We thought about. <laughs> the no because we we uh, we were kind of considering whether to have it or not is stuffed courgette and aubergine and tara was like nobody's gonna make it and, we, okay. and i said oh, look just test, send it to claudine and let's see what she thinks of it she loved it i was like okay we're gonna have but it the test for this book is that is that we we want this book on one hand to be the definitive palestinian book for everyone but also crucially it's got to be a book that people use because there's no point a book, a yeah. cookbook not being used. So that was the <laughs> ultimate test of kind of, are people going to make this on a Monday night? Are people going to make this? Um, so How laborious is this dish? It's, it's, it's not so it's bad. Not, it's not so bad. It's really easy to make. And there's, there's, there's a lot of, well, not a lot. There's, there are some key Palestinian dishes which are not in the book because they take a day to make. So yeah. we're not asking anyone to hand roll maftul or... Or stuff, roll, roll little vine leaves. And but at the same all. time, there are the the absolute traditional dishes: the chicken musakan, which is uh, chicken led with flatbread and this amazing sumac onions cooked yeah. down like super super sweet. Um, or the makluba, the upside down savory rice cake that you kind yeah. of flip yeah. to invert onto plates. Or, so or the maftul, which is like the Palestinian um, uh, couscous, which is cooked. Totally different with chicken and vegetables, and it's really fragrant. And it takes a while to do it, so you need, you know, it's a kind of weekend. Right, right. Dish and that will do. always be there for the for the family get-togethers. Yeah. So it the felt like that had to be it. Yeah, but absolutely. Yeah, because we wanted to kind of not lose track of, you know, it's it's the the the, the title is Palestine. It's all about you know the the cooking and the food and the people, and we didn't want to kind of. And again, with the sweet things, there's a balance between the, the knafe that we were talking about from yeah. Nablus um, and some of the little kind of cookies. But then we've also um, played around with contemporary 
recipes that the ingredients are uh, familiar and loyal to the Palestinian pantry, but they're not they're not puddings that are traditional Palestinian. Because um, again, we want people to have an amazing chocolate tort that they can. I saw that, that recipe. Eating, yeah, and it's flourless and it's got um, it's Middle Eastern kind of cardamom coffee yeah, in it. Saffron. And yeah, and um, what else? We did also the halva kind of. Um, Oh, the semi-fredo. Yeah. The semi yeah. Yeah, it's delicious. Yeah. We did um, baklava, but uh, as a semi-fredo. Delicious. And also, in the book, kind of we touched on that there's a lot of stories and it's kind of, there's, there's a journey be, to be told kind of throughout the book. There was one bit that I was actually reading last night, which I kind of made me feel like a little emotional about the, the olive oil and the man that sits underneath is it like a, his olive oil tree oh, yeah. his tree the his olive tree yeah. guardian of the tree yeah. he, he looks like a kind of jesus <laughs> he just sits there under the tree he's pretty, he's pretty savvy on social media the last yeah. thing he said was he's, look me up on facebook yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love that i read yeah. that and i hope you have <laughs> he's he's a very well known everybody knows him. Right. And some people don't even know him by his name but you know he's like yeah the guardian of the do you, would you say to use um, the olive oil? Like you really rave about it's it It's a book. wonderful olive like oil and you need to eat it. It's very kind of uh, earthy and grassy and... Uh, peppery. It's quite peppery, yeah. but delicious. And I, I wouldn't cook with, uh, uh, kind of, with it. You don't fry stuff. No, but it's a, Yeah. It's and a dressing. dish like the chicken musakan, the, the origins of the dish is that it used to showcase um, the new olive oil of the, of the season in November. Um, because it was so kind of drizzled in olive oil. So I think people still uh, sort of don't realize the extent to which olive oil can just be used to to eat and as it is, flavor, with sort yeah. of, uh, you know, dip your bread in and sort of to, to, as a finishing thing. Yeah, and also, you know, Palestinians don't age olive oil. They, they just have it from season to season, and, you know, it lasts until the end of the year, and then they start the process again. That sounds and delicious. And so, it, you know, the, the quality is kind of still almost like raw, olive oil which is yeah. really wonderful and is there anywhere that you because i kind of was like oh i wonder if there's like you can get it online <laughs> I was like, Where could I get it? yeah or you can get it on uh, zaytun they are a wonderful fair trade uh, company where they they um bring um uh, ingredients from palestine and, it, and, and it's in grocers then they're not in big supermarkets yet they sell through oxfam and a lot of 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 green grocers Locally, but they, they do have it. Yeah. And you can get it yeah, online. And do you guys have cupboards stocked full? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next and, whenever, <laughs> and whenever <laughs> I meet them, they, they bring another bottle. It's like, you know, it's just uh, for them kind of to say thank you to something. To, and uh, we sell it in our web store. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. online, uh, including their uh, Zatar and the Maftool. And they have nice medjool dates and almonds. I'm now doing PR <laughs> for them. <laughs> we'll add the links. Hello, Heather. <laughs> they are so nice, and they are kind of they, they are not their heads are not fixed into kind of uh, promoting themselves and yeah, and they're really sweet and supportive. Okay. And they, I mean, they started it was a social enterprise where people used to just return from Palestine with bottles in their suitcase yeah. and and sell it through Oxfam. So it's very grassroots. And also, you know, yeah. you hear in the stories where, when they tell you about how difficult is it for them to, to bring stuff from Palestine to here. Yeah. It's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, because... Just the know, logistics. Cause yeah, it's, just, just, it's yeah. just like, you know, it's just... Anyway. Anyway, yes. we're not talking about... <laughs> um, and Palestine, why Palestine? So I've kind of read a bit about this, but Palestine... Because, because in, uh, Palestine means Palestine, and uh, in Arabic there's no uh, P... Uh, so they will always say F O B. Yeah. And when you ask a Palestinian where you're from, they will say Palestine. Okay. So and it was it was a newspaper. Yeah. It's also a newspaper from the thirties. Okay. Uh, and also in a land where where words are so loaded, the word Palestine oh. almost sort of transcends these sort of often loaded terms that people have for the same the same place so yeah it's, it's and if you speak arabic you know what it means if you don't it's like kind of mysterious what is that thing yeah will this be translated into arabic i hope so i hope so i mean it, it got a big chance to be yeah yeah because i've read previously that the book so far rumors rumors been, oh, is it, sorry. <laughs> i was like can i bring this up is this a bit 
Yeah, no, I uh, I know also in like uh, bookshops in in the Gulf, for example, like Kuwait, and um, they sell them, but they don't have representative. So you know, it's a kind of black market. They I love they smuggle that. I love them in thought. and sell them in their shops. Yeah. But I think again, it's difficult to underestimate the impact of what Sami and Yotam have done with their books in Ossolengi. And it wasn't until I went to Jerusalem and Bethlehem that I realized how amazing it is that this Israeli and Palestinian man have have done this incredible, created this incredible thing together. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah and with, with Palestine, we kind of, I feel a bit of kind of pressure because I know a lot of people are waiting for it and uh, especially Arab kind of, uh, uh, people that have been following for a long time. And Who have very strong opinions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? The, um... I, I hope they're going to like it. I think uh, because they know the, the, uh, my style of cooking, yeah. they would love it. Okay. Yeah. I'm as long sure. as people are up for the, up for the, the chat and the debate. And the, the, there would yeah. be a, a, a period of time where I'm just going to shut my uh, social media. Yeah. And just gonna... <laughs> Everything goes <laughs> yes. down. If you go really quiet, we know what's going on. <laughs> well, I need to learn to uh, not to read everything. Yeah. And, and to embrace it. Because also, you're not saying this is a right or wrong. This is just your interpretation. This is very right. The, uh, okay, okay. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's very honest. Yeah, okay. there's very, no wrong. It's right. <laughs> if, you, if you want to see the wrong, then yeah. Habit. Because also, as well, um, in Palestine, it's a lot of cookery books have been written by women. So also being a man yeah. in this arena and obviously female. So. <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of that. that too and also, we be... know, we wanted to stay from this kind of, uh, it's almost like, um, I don't want to say stale, but, you know, it's the same format. It's a woman kind of uh, writing a book about how she got taught by her mom and grandma and uh, this is a contemporary cookbook and like also, the, the cookbooks yeah, the, the, are often the quite kind of sepia of tinged and, and it's the same set of uh, recipes as well in every book right. which is great they're brilliant they're wonderful exactly. books and everyone who's written these books have got their reason they're doing them for their daughters or they're doing it for the memory of their their grandparents these are beautiful books um and this is sammy in my book which is a reflection of our reality and life and 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 it's contemporary Palestine, but it's not at all a book that's tinged in sepia. Exactly, and we are really yeah. re realistic about it. And you know, it's something that you—it's a book that you want to just kind of on a Wednesday just quickly cook something, and this yeah. is the the right book to do it. Yeah, I've definitely—I was saying to you previously—I've gone through and earmarked the recipes that my husband will be. I'm like, you can definitely do this. This is for you, and he's very much <laughs> beginner. And I was like, and then I've got my selection that I'll be cooking. Yeah, <laughs> we've got it. I feel like there's there's so much in there. Um. And in terms of just the process of bringing this together, like at which point did you go, right, this, the time is right, let's, let's make this book, let's do this together? How, like, was there that moment? Or? I mean, the process started bef a, a, a long time before Tara kind of joined the, the, the boat, but uh, I wanted to do it and I kept pushing to do it. And uh, where did we put it in the, the Otolengi frame and all yeah. that? But then when Tara got on, on, on board, we, uh, the picture kind of got clearer yeah. how we want to do it and where. And also the market's ready because, you know, Middle Eastern food is a bit like talking about Asian food yeah. or Italian yeah. food. It's sort of, it's just too generic. So having, it feels to me like every magazine you open is kind of Middle Eastern food somehow. So this is to take people on a journey. I mean, that was your further, <laughs> Further in. Yeah. I'm going to have to uh, yeah, You get quite a lot of people asking, what's the, so what's the difference between the Palestinian and the Lebanese, for example? And this is just a good example. It's just yeah. kind of, uh, uh, it's all about, you know, the place and the, the, the people, but also the produce and the, the way they eat. Yeah. And it will explain everything. So I was actually, my next question was, we're often guilty of labeling many cuisines Middle Eastern. Uh, what sets Palestinian cuisine apart? Like, how could, how would you... It's not very dissimilar from uh, Syrian and Lebanese. Okay. It's a lot more earthy and uh, less sour than Lebanese, for example, where Lebanese, they, they use quite a lot of lemon in it. Okay. Uh, in their food. Um, lots of kind of grains and pulses and... Uh, Brown food. <laughs> no, actually, I was worried it was all going to be my my worry that it was all going to be a bit beige, but actually, it hasn't been yeah. hasn't been true because you've got all the like I said before the the dill and the um, green chili and the garlic of Gaza. Yeah. 
um, and then all the herbs and fish on the coast up in Acre and Haifa. Um, but uh, it's and the lemon, the oranges in Jaffa, and then you you have the cheese in Bethlehem and the fermented yogurt. So it's kind of divided, and uh, each each place or each region have their own kind of speciality ingredients. And uh, but what makes it Palestinian is the people in the place. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So kind of to to carry on from that, you know, what what's your top five ingredients if you want to fill your store cupboard with everything you need to maybe concoct a delicious Palestinian dish? Well, Tara always make shatta, smacked <laughs> cucumber, baba ganoush, which is mtabal, and... Um, so to summarize, olive oil, <laughs> lemons, garlic, green chili, yeah. coffee, and then we have to add bread for salmon. Yeah, I, I always also, yeah, always have tomatoes. Yeah, oh, they look good. Yeah, I always uh, have. And then spices, allspice, cinnamon... Uh, we've got a fish spice mix uh, in the in the book, which is turmeric and paprika and cumin and cardamom. cardamom. Um, so it's a simple mix, but that's yeah. used a lot to marinate cubes of salmon or cod. Um, yeah, actually, we, we use it quite a lot in all the kind of fish dishes. And if in doubt, add tahini. <laughs> and also, so after um, kind of finishing the book, are you still... Are you still cooking this day and night at home? Are you still cooking Palestinian food? Are you yes. still as in love with it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My poor children wake up every morning to the smell of burnt aubergines. <laughs> <laughs> every morning? <laughs> yeah, that's probably, yeah. yeah. Are you having them for breakfast? No, I don't have them for breakfast, but I do all my cooking in the morning for the yeah. evening. Okay. I wake up early and then I'm good for nothing at night. What time are you waking up? Quite early. <laughs> I told you, she's fast. <laughs> <laughs> she's on a, she's a different gear. <laughs> How early is early? Yeah. Are you like 4 a.m.? No, not 4 a.m. But when I go down to have my coffee, she's already done two dinners. You sound like a wonder woman. This is amazing. I'm, I'm not good at night, though. <laughs> so that brings me on to my next question. Batch cooking. Batch cooking. Talk to it's me about, about batch, batch cooking. cooking. Who doesn't batch cook? Why wouldn't you batch Why cook? Why wouldn't you? This is my city. Maybe I wouldn't always... Well, I would try and avoid batch cooking because I would then eat that batch, which is like supposed to, yeah, you know, provide three well. meals. But yeah, I mean, just the Tupperware. I mean, I am, I am, I'm in fact, in America, we went to America in the summer and we found a town called Tupperware and it was literally my idea of heaven. Of Tupperware, freezer, batch cooking. Do you have a chest freezer? Do you have a chest freezer, yeah. See, that's a game changer. Yeah, really? And also I live next door to my mum, so I've got her freezers on. There's quite a lot of freezers going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so everyone should batch cook. Everyone should batch cook. Everyone should batch cook. So, for example, last night I made, um, there's a, a stew here, which is a sort of tomato-based prawn stew with a coriander pesto, um, and it serves four in the book. And last night, without question, I quadrupled the recipe, and I probably ate enough probably for four last night. But then, but then I'll have some in the fridge, which will sit around for three days, and then and then the other half in the freezer. So fish bash bosh, and then that base can be used for anything. You can yeah. poach some cod in it, or leftover chicken, or just chuck in a jar of drained butter beans, dot it with some feta, wilt some spinach, or a pasta pasta sauce. Ready, steady, go. This sounds delicious. I'm going to come and. I'm coming. I'm, I'm coming to your freezer immediately. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess, what direction does this journey continue for you both? Is this just the beginning of more Palestinian food? Like, what comes next? I, I am not looking um, a kind of... You're enjoying the now. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm all about the book now, yeah. Palestine, and uh, promoting it and selling it and meeting people and kind of touring and all that. And I want to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And then after that, I will think of uh, what I want to, to do next. Um, hopefully another book or, you know... Yeah. Something else. Turn into a massively successful Netflix documentary series. Yeah, that would be good. Just That would be good, yeah. 12 series, window onto yeah. modern-day Palestine. I think the people that we, we included in the book deserve a Netflix yeah. yeah, would you consider it, it like, yeah. would you pitch that? I just that? think it would be, I, it would be, I think it would be a beautiful journey yeah. of, because the guys that do Chef's Table, people. can you imagine, they shoot everything so beautifully, like, that's the story. And just yeah. these, the these stories of these people doing, making, living, because uh, I, because, it's not a story. It's not the story that we're sold about Palestine. It's yeah. not the story we're sold about Gaza and the West Bank. Yeah, and uh, it would be such a great thing to see. So that that's my that would be yeah. my dream in the next couple of years. Yeah, I'll go on if. Uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah. are you? <laughs> what's the? You know, it's just one email. Yeah. So we, we started talking about it the, Have kind of you? lately. Yeah. 
together or with no. people? Together. Yeah, start putting it but out there. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about it enough yeah. until someone. We'll we keep talking about it until somebody yeah. comes. Just start it. saying it's happening. Yeah. Visualize it, put it out to the universe. <laughs> so, will we be seeing a lot of these recipes within the restaurants? Uh, it already started, okay. and we also do in uh, some charity dinners to for people to basically come and enjoy the the, the recipes we cook in from the book, and meet us as well. But uh, and all the money, or most of the money, will go to charity okay. uh, that helps kind of Palestinians. And, and again, just with ingredients, sort of, still people are using what I might call the wrong tahini. And so what still is the right tahini? You can't say that without telling us. <laughs> well, the right tahini is Arabic tahini as opposed to the slightly, well, I think very claggy, sorry, Cypriot. We have to be Cypriot. mean to Cyprus Cypriot. and Greece. Okay. And again, and I get sort of distressed when I when people are kind of making these recipes and not using the proper tahini. And so hopefully this book will just continue to kind of okay. get people exploring. And It's not as... Where are we getting that tahini from? You, you can get it on, on Amazon even. Okay. Yeah, just get the, uh, the a Lebanese Bella, Bella, or Palestinian brand. have actually oh, got cool. a... Um, I mean, they're, they're not an Arabic company, but they're, they're, they're tahini, which you can buy if you shop on, on Ocado. You can get it there, but... And but that's the good it's, stuff. You know, if you, yeah, but you can get it in yeah. a lot of places. Anything that's got a camel on it. Or if, a if okay. yeah, I mean, any Middle Eastern grocery store will have a decent tahini. Okay. Well, that's a good take. Yeah, and don't buy the, the supermarket stuff. No. It's just kind of... It's just, it's just yeah. depressing. It's just... It's it doesn't work. Smooth, it's, it's like with zatar. You sort of look of at the ingredients of some supermarket own zatars and... Yeah. It's just not Zatar. <laughs> it's, it's not. We need to go and bag it Oregano, up. We need to do a trip. <laughs> well, you see a good Zatar in in Palestine and you just buy tons of it yeah. and bring it back. Because Put it in the freezer. Batch. Batch. Totally. Yeah, oh of course. Okay. I'm like dying. I can't wait to have a look in the spice cupboard. I, I I'm like just expecting tubs. My, my, na- my kind of walnuts and my dates in the freezer as well. Okay. They keep mm. for ages. and Amazing. They taste fresh. Wow, okay. He keeps Jeremy in there, everything. Everything's frozen. <laughs> the dog's in there. No, I hide them so he doesn't know. <laughs> so he doesn't know where anything is. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that. So, I guess it's that time in the podcast where we kind of make note or take note that we're in your kitchen. Yeah. Uh, can you talk us through the space a bit? Like, how in use is this kitchen? How much time do you spend here? It's gorgeous and bright. Uh, we live in this place. Yeah. In this space. Uh, we watch TV next door, but yeah. mainly here with the dogs. I always cook. And every night I do uh, a dish. Um, easy or... Would you ever get a takeaway? Uh, I do, yeah. Um, Something really disgusting. It's not. I get really nice takeaways. <laughs> okay. Like I get a really nice Chinese from Shepherd's Bush, and I don't go for that. There's trashy no pizza hut no. or no, no. <laughs> okay, just no. checking. <laughs> and um, it's a. I mean, as you see it, it's quite simple, clean. Open line. plan. Yeah. I bought our Open kids plan. here once, and I had to give them a lecture on the doorstep about the fact that Sammy's kitchen and house was a slightly different vibe to ours because we we're entering this immaculately beautiful world. Of calm, clean and walls and beautiful art. Although we just had fun getting Sammy's kitchen messy, which is the first time I've seen. Yeah, it. and uh, in the summer we open the doors, and so it's it's lovely here. And uh, I bought this table before we got the house, and Jeremy got really mad at me. But you but knew you needed space this, for. I love this table. Why is he? Because he said to me, I should have waited and measured ah, everything. But it's perfect. Like, you want to get a different table, don't you? Because uh, you could sit, what, eight, ra- eight ten round here, maybe? Uh, I sat 12, actually. Which, yeah. yeah quite squeezed, but... Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. Family style. Ten, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then open plan as well. Is that a must for you when it comes to your kitchen so that you can kind of entertain and host? Yeah, and, and I can and talk and to people and while I'm cooking. Uh, I'm quite an organized uh, uh, kind of was that organized like, or unorganized? Organized. Okay, I'm just checking. So <laughs> I'm very kind of pristine when it comes to cooking and organizing, and uh, I need to have a plan in my head how to do it. Yeah. Because when you have people, you don't want to spend too much time kind of chopping and. No. And do you do a lot of preparation? Are you that kind of person? Yeah. yeah. Do you want It's all class? about the preparation. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Yeah. What about you? I'm. Yeah. Is there a different picture? No, no. I'm. I'm. I'm amazed that people can cook when their buddies arrive. I'm completely a make-ahead person, and I get then really kind of frazzled when people 
when people arrive. And then she calls me, come and help me. <laughs> <laughs> come and fry my fridges. I had an amazing fundraising dinner once where I just invited 50 women because I was raising money for womankind. And then I just got all the men in my life to come and serve and cook. <laughs> I love and it was that. the best night yeah. ever. Yeah, like Sammy, like... my husband, Gitai, your sounds amazing. Yeah, just all these men serving these fabulous women. And we were all, all the women were dressed up in block colors. I mean, and it was just <laughs> awesome. Now I was like, this is the template. This, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is how we should be rolling it out. This is the future. <laughs> I'm going to really take that on board. <laughs> I'm going to roll that out <laughs> just in my life day to day. Every guest um, that I have on the podcast, I ask to make me a sandwich. Mm -hmm. Talk me through what you guys... Uh, one of the recipes we have in Palestine is uh, cauliflower and cumin fritters. Yes. Uh, which is one of my childhood favorite things to eat. And we you can eat them warm or uh, uh, room temperature. My mom used to just stuff them in a, in a pita bread or half a pita bread and just give it to us as a kind of school lunch. That's pretty healthy. So That's we're going to have that. And uh, Tara kindly made also the um, baby jam with smack cucumber and burned aubergine and shatta. And a bit of tahini. sauce <laughs> to drizzle over. Yeah. And a bit of tahini. And we have also the um, spicy olives with preserved lemon and shatta. So this is definitely going to be the most fancy. It's going to um, be delicious. And how, how much depth is this sandwich going to have? <laughs> you will see. So this is a sandwich where you need both hands. Yeah. Both how, hands much, how much can you eat? I actually have a gigantic <laughs> mouth. You're okay. going to be quite surprised. So I can make a triple kind of. Yeah. It's almost like a club sandwich. I'm not proud of it, but I can, I can fit a ladle in my mouth. We can give you a doggy bag. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But, yeah. but go big. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you.